1: Hello and welcome into the Feels Like 45 podcast. I'm Cade Webb. And as always, I am joined by Dustin Ragusa. Dustin, are you getting geared up for the holidays? Have you slammed your laptop shut yet?
0: Yeah, we're we're closing in. This is the Christmas pod. So yeah. uh we won't have another podcast until after the bowl game. We'll do a review a couple of days after the bowl game, like we do normally in the season. But yeah, this is basically our last pod before christmas so merry christmas to everybody and merry christmas to you Kate.
1: yeah merry christmas to you and just a quick agenda we won't be talking about any football today we will only be talking about what we asked for for christmas our favorite (laughs) candies around this time of year favorite christmas movies just a whole bunch of nonsense from us today which uh, will be a little bit different so no obviously joking and merry christmas to you as well dustin uh are you guys staying local for the holidays you guys got any big plans or
0: yes this is like one of the first years we're not going somewhere my wife's uh my mother-in-law's family is in kansas like wichita area so some years we go there some years we go back home to baton rouge but i've been to baton rouge like five times this year for different (laughs) reasons different occasions
1: so we're not doing baton rouge we're staying home what about you guys good for you we are we are taking it the same way we typically travel for christmas uh usually we're up in wichita or we're in texas with family uh our families are not the same but they we do have family up in wichita as well yeah and uh for us we are staying home and we are looking very much forward to it we're actually moving in a week or two so uh we're basically packing right by the entire me. house yeah right over by you sir so uh we're basically packing the entire house so we'll we'll be merry and bright and then we're you know full steam ahead into the move so it'll be fun
0: yeah best of luck with the move by the Thank way you. i know i told you that off the pod but just so the listeners know i'm not a jerk one thing Cade, you just reminded me of asking me about traveling for christmas i wanted to mention that i had mentioned it to you already but i thought I, I don't know if the listeners will think this is cool it also sounds like i'm kind of bragging about listeners. <laughs> I'm not trying to do that. I just thought this was interesting. And then it made me think of a question that our buddy, Michael P brought up to me. So in my group message with my Baton Rouge buddies, my friend Chris messaged yesterday and told me that he ran into a guy wearing Oklahoma state stuff out in Baton Rouge. And he started talking to him. He asked him if he knew who I was and listened because he knew, he knew I have a podcast. He didn't know the name of it because those guys don't listen. They're all LSU fans but the guy was like, yeah, feels like 45. He's a listener. He was in Baton Rouge. <laughs> he lives in Dallas. He was in Baton Rouge visiting his in-laws. His wife is from Baton Rouge. So I thought that was really cool. So now my Baton Rouge buddies at least believe that one person listens yep. to the podcast. So all that to say, we would love to know if you guys are listening from not Texas, not a goal, yes. you can tell us that too, but all over the place you know i know i know our buddy robert shout out to robert one of the podcast sponsors i know he listens from outside he's been all over the place south carolina georgia living in different spots but if you live anywhere obscure or you think is obscure let us know we love hearing about that stuff and we really appreciate all our listeners but it's cool to hear about
1: you know, one of my Baton Rouge buddies meeting a listener in Baton Rouge. Yeah, we we really want to be able to say that we're taking this global. So if you're international, you know, even better. The North Pole, even for Christmas. Yeah, like we're not asking for like Kiowa County. We're talking like, are you listening from the Netherlands? That's what we're that's what we're looking <laughs> for, and we want to make that on a on a shirt. Um, there's kind of that viral trend right now. States you've lived in, states you've visited. You and I could do pretty well at that trend. I would want to do one for our listeners. Where are you listening from in the world? I think that's pretty cool. But Dustin. We've got enough to get into. Last week we we prerequisited the entire podcast, saying we're going thirty to forty five minutes. And this week we've got a whole lot to get to. So before we do, next week as well
0: will be like that. Yeah,
1: it, it will be. We we mentioned that, but just you know, getting used to the the new flow of things. Before we do jump into everything, though. Dustin, I want to remind you and all of our fantastic listeners that this podcast is brought to you by our friends at Charlie Hustle Clothing Company. Charlie Hustle is a vintage inspired clothing company based out of Kansas city that specializes in collegiate and hometown apparel. Charlie hustle wants you to be the best dress fan of the season. So be sure to check out their wide selection of officially licensed collegiate apparel today and show off your school spirit all season long with over 30 schools to choose from. They've got you covered with all of your collegiate apparel needs. So shop today at www.charliehustle.com. And when you do use our promo code 10, 12, 15 for 15% off all non-sale items, Charlie hustle, vintage made fresh. Justin, let's get right into it. Yeah, so Cade, a little bit of notes on the current
0: football team like we did last week. So Oklahoma State, I think it was uh, Monday afternoon. They had the longest practice so far of their bowl practices, two hours and 20 minutes. That was their first practice since last Friday because Coach Gundy gave the players off over the weekend for graduation, Christmas shopping. Some of the players that live close were able to go home. And then – They left for Houston and they arrived and OSU Max actually posted some videos of, it was Kendall Daniels, Xavier Benson, and Brennan Presley talking after practice with the media. And then videos, actually a video, I think it's like three or four minutes long of the team practicing in the Houston Cougars indoor facility. So they're there, they're practicing, got to see Ollie Gordon, all those guys out there. We hadn't heard a lot from Brennan Presley or Kendall Daniels especially, you know, with all the transfer portal stuff going on. But those guys are there. They're practicing at the bowl practice. And then they've got some fun stuff, I think, going on with the team. I believe they're going to go to a Houston Rockets basketball game. There's the Houston Rodeo on Saturday evening. So a lot of fun stuff going on there as they prepare for the game against Texas A&M next Wednesday that we will preview later on this pod. But Cade, what I wanted to get your thoughts on is they released a depth chart. And, you know, we tell you guys when they release these depth charts every week during the season, even if somebody's hurt, if it's not a season ending injury, they probably leave them on the depth chart. Even see Jason Brooks on this most recent one. We don't think he's going to play, even though he may be dressed out. But looking through it, you know, offensive line looks kind of what we expect with a lot of the guys coming back. Not losing a lot. You see Jaden Nixon not there running back anymore. The defense looks really similar to what it has been. You see Nick Session not listed anymore, but that's pretty much it. But wide receiver is where I wanted to focus on. No Dejon Stribling. Coach Gundy mentioned he hasn't actually been cleared yet, even though we were hearing from Robert Allen that he was probably going to play. Tyke Andrews is listed at the slot behind Brennan Presley, so Blaine Green's not on there anymore. And then Kale Cabanis is listed behind Leon Johnson instead of Jaden Bray. What are your thoughts on how this depth chart kind of shook out
1: and just kind of interesting to see as we head into the bowl game? I think the Tyke Andrews one may be the most surprising because we got a glimpse of Cameron Hurd at the very end of the Big 12 title game. I think he played like three snaps. He came in and came right back out. So I would have assumed he would have been there. But again, I kind of take it less by you know, maybe the position group, more that these bowl games nowadays, you're going to get glimpses of guys that you may not have otherwise gotten. And and Tyke Andrews is another one, but I mean, shoot, he's, he's true freshman from Guthrie, isn't he? Is that, that's where he's from. Yeah. he Him and Hurd got in, like you mentioned wow. a little bit this
0: season, but yeah, it'll be really interesting. I mean, you hope there's no injuries in this game, but if Oklahoma state for some reason gets up by a lot or God forbid, Texas A&M gets up by a lot, you're probably going to see Tyke Andrews at the slot. Right. A little bit yeah, in that's this cool. game. I, I would expect to see him get some snaps. And then Talon Shetran back as well. I, I was under the impression he's listed behind Rashad Owens that he's still too injured to play with
1: that collarbone injury, but maybe not since he's listed on this depth chart. So that and it's I, interesting. I was thinking about this with Deshaun Stribling. Did he play against Iowa State? Did he play at all in that game? Or his injury came against South Alabama, which was the third game of the non-conference and I could have sworn he played in the Iowa State game. Are which, you asking that from a redshirt perspective? Yes, that's exactly so it. I've
0: I have heard I think it was confirmed on Pokes report and I think the Oklahoma and Scott Wright might have wrote about it as well. The bowl game is postseason play, so it does
1: not count against that. I'm sure you've said that, but that That would explain. It's a good call, though. Good call by you. That explains a lot. Thank you for clearing that up, because I was sitting here thinking you could burn a redshirt, but that's actually that's one of the smarter things the NCAA has done lately. So no, Dustin. For me, nothing glaring in that depth chart other than. Wide receiver got a little bit thin (laughs) this year, and then you've got you know some guys that depart into the transfer portal, and then it gets really thin. That's kind of rare for Oklahoma State. You don't see that a lot, but they they definitely will probably need to look to reload multiple guys out of the portal this year. Yeah,
0: and you've got the young guys like Andrews, and you mentioned Hurd, and Jalen Pope. That'll be coming back. You've got Trey Griffiths coming in in the recruiting class, which we'll talk about a little bit. But to your point, yeah, it would be nice to see a receiver pop up at some point in the transfer portal, even if it's in the April window, it would be great to kind of add to that depth there. I think they're good with their ones. A lot of guys coming back that played a lot of snaps this year in Presley in Rashad Owens, you got talent Shetran coming back as well, but losing guys like Leon Johnson, Jaden Bray, Blaine Green, you're spot on with that. The only other note I had Cade is with Nixon being not on there. We are probably going to see a lot of Elijah Collins in this game, being his last game of his college career. He's also listed on punt and kick return, along with Carol Cabinus with Jaden Nixon, not there anymore. So expect some Elijah Collins. And that might be one of the things I'm most excited about for this bowl game, because I've been wanting him to get carries all year. He's been banged up. Obviously Jaden Nixon and him were in competition. Nixon looks to have beat him out earlier in the year in some of those games. And then when he got injured, obviously beat him out there. I'm excited to see Elijah Collins and I think he's going to give a hundred percent
1: effort on every single play with it being his last game. Yeah, that'll be really cool. And especially when they break him out in a two-back set, which I I was waiting for all year, and then he wasn't healthy enough to be the guy next to Ollie doing it. So I'm very excited for that. Um, but totally agree with you, Dustin. I would love to see him come out and go for, you know, a hundred yards on on 10 carries or 12 carries or whatever he's gonna end up getting. Uh, it'll be exciting to watch for sure. And shout out to Elijah for sticking it out, playing on special teams. Oh, yeah. Ollie Gordon's had
0: great things to say about him. He's obviously a leader in that locker room. So really, I think it was a great pickup, even though we didn't see him a lot this year from Michigan State transferring in. But Cade, hey, that's kind of it on the current team until we get into the transfer portal. The only other note before the transfer portal that I had is Jamie Blatnick, the Oklahoma State strength and conditioning assistant, former Oklahoma State defensive lineman from 2008 to 2011 former first team, all big 12 defensive lineman in 2011 is moving to be the director of strength and conditioning at middle Tennessee where Derek Mason is now going to be coach at the blue Raiders sucks to lose Jamie Blatnick. I know the players like him a lot. Whenever I've gone to practice, he is just an imposing figure walking around that indoor Sherman Smith facility sucks to lose him, but it's awesome to see him kind of moving up. And maybe, you know, when Rob Glass hangs it up one day, Jamie Blatnick will be back at
1: Oklahoma State. Yeah, I mean, he looks like the rock. So, uh, he really I, does. I am, uh, you know, I think the sideline will miss him from, you know, he's always kind of hyping guys up. He's always, you know, the center of, you know, that that player-coach dynamic. It seems like he's always right there. But for me, Dustin, it's like, you know, there's a nice pipeline from that Oklahoma State strength and conditioning staff out into this next, you know, lower level of college football. Um, I, I, Jamie Blatnick's not the only one. I mean, there there's, there's guys like Abe Spencer who have moved into director level roles at lower levels of college football. So one of these days when Rob Glass does hang it up, I think there's several guys who you could look at and say, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And so, uh, yeah, obviously assistant is never the, uh, the end goal either. So happy for happy for coach Blatnick. That's great. Yeah, it's awesome news for him. Okay, should we jump into the portal? Shall we?
0: I think we should. <laughs> okay, so I put out a thread right before the podcast so you could kind of follow along. But the portal opened, obviously, as we stated, on December 4th. It closes on January 2nd, and there'll be a second window later on in the spring. The dead period, which we have talked about on here, started on December 18th, so four days ago, We're recording this on the 22nd. And that lasts until January 11th, except for the January 3rd through 7th quiet period for two- and four-year college transfer prospective student-athletes who intend to enroll mid-year. So the dead period, once again, what that is, is no in-person contact between coaches, recruits, and or their parents. For example, coaches can't talk to recruits at their campus, at the athlete school, at an athletic camp, or even if they see
1: them at a movie theater or grocery store no contact whatsoever related to the dead period. Does it say anything about reaching out to their aunts, uncles or parents? Because that seems to be like how all of this is happening anyway. Yes. So no or byline line about that. Players,
0: a player reaching out from the current yeah. team to the high school. Yeah. So it's a little loose, but it's, it's a dead period. Basically what it means, Cade is there can't be any visits or you'll get in a lot of trouble. So, You've kind of seen it slow down a little bit in the transfer portal with guys committing as we've gotten to this point because there's no visits going on. So it's going to be a little weird now. There'll be some virtual visits, I think, and then guys are going to have to make decisions on schools, especially guys like you know Ohio tight end Tyler Foster, who we'll talk about in a little bit. He entered on December 17th officially.
1: So he probably hasn't visited anywhere yet. Wow. Yeah, that's interesting. Some of these guys do have to commit sight unseen. And that's got to be a little bit nerve wracking, especially like not for an Oklahoma State who's got, you know, state of the art facilities. They're winning a bunch of games. But if you're talking about like a lower level school, that's got to be nerve wracking if you have not seen it with your own eyes. So, wow. Oh, yeah,
0: completely agree. So for the Oklahoma State transfers out, it's the same guys that we've talked about last time. Got Jake Henry, offensive lineman. Ricky Lolahea, defensive tackle. Tyrone Weber with the asterisks as he apparently still is not eligible at this time because he's not been released by Oklahoma State. He's an offensive lineman. Uh, Villamy, offensive lineman. Not even going to try to say his last name because I did get it wrong last week. I went back and listened. I'm an idiot. Gunner Gundy, quarterback, who is currently practicing with the team. And Cade, Robert Allen said on the radio yesterday that there is a chance, Gunner. Just decides to return and just finish out his eligibility at Oklahoma State. Also, I wanted to note you and I have talked about it on here. You know, there's Gunner Gundy. Should we're talking about Gunner Gundy transferring? We've heard people say another Power Five school, Group of Five. You and I kind of come to the consensus. We love Gunner Gundy. Thought he was awesome at Stillwater. Seems like an awesome guy. I know he lived out his dream, kind of being able to wear his dad's number, play at Oklahoma State. All the other players love him. You've heard Alan Bowman say great things about him. But you and I have thought he was more suited at an FCS level. And it looks like most of the offers he is reporting are at the FCS level. So not to like give us flowers, but to say, I'm glad that he's kind of targeting that level because I
1: think he would dominate in the yeah, FCS. I think, I think he'd be one of the better players in that subdivision of football. I, I, You know, best of luck to him, whether he comes back to Oklahoma State or not. You know, there's there's no reason that you would wish otherwise for him, but he didn't take up a scholarship. I don't think so. No, he's a walk on. Yeah. So, I mean, it, whether he comes back or not, the, I don't know how much it affects Oklahoma State uh, negatively. You just have another guy in the rotation. He, But for his sake, he probably should see if there's something else out there for him. So
0: agreed. Uh, and also that just made me think of this kid you mentioning that Velami is also was also on the roster that was handed out to the media. So Gunnar Gundy and Velami were both still on the roster. Mm. I know Velami hasn't committed anywhere. He's also a walk-on. I'm wondering if he maybe decides to come back and just be a depth piece on this offensive line. That would be cool if he does. Uh along with those guys, Jaden Nixon has not committed anywhere yet, but All signs are looking like Sam Houston State from everything that I've seen, which I would love for Jaden Nixon to go down to that level. I think he'd be really good there. Similar to our thoughts on Gunnar Gundy. Ladarius Webb, Tulane. Nick Session has not committed anywhere yet. Blaine Green, wide receiver. Looks like Minnesota, but haven't seen him commit. And then Jaden Bray, wide receiver to West Virginia. also... Forgot to mention, Jake Henry is going to be at Stephen F. Austin now, and Ricky Lolahea is at Utah State. So that's the state of affairs with the transfers out. Kate, any notes from you with those guys?
1: No, it's just so strange that for the second year in a row that I can remember, there may be more, you're going to be playing a guy that was on your team last year in a conference game. Just a new world that takes some getting used to. But Jaden Bray going to West Virginia is uh, I think he'll do well there. I I hope he stays healthy. Like, that's the biggest thing for me. But it's just strange. Like, I, I don't know if I'll get used to that. Yeah,
0: and he's a guy with the injuries and everything. I, I echo your sentiments. I, I hope that he is able to stay healthy, have a good season. It sucks that he won't be able to do it for OSU. Right. But either way, just when a guy struggled that much with injuries, then comes back, and you got to remember – This is a guy who started playing football in the middle of high school. So he hasn't been playing for very long. And a guy who broke the same thumb twice last year comes back and has some drop issues. Maybe he's still getting used to that thumb being broken multiple times. All that to say, I think he could have a big year. Like you're saying at West Virginia, if he's able to completely heal from those thumb injuries, which it seemed like we're still bothering him with those drop issues and just stay healthy for a full season.
1: Yeah, the only other thing I'll say is it's nice to see that Oklahoma State's not losing a bunch of power five level guys like they did last year. I mean, you had guys or like trans- Texas a and <laughs> right? You had guys transferring either laterally or up in some cases, and that was frustrating to watch. So uh, it kind of backs up Rashad Owens point that he didn't see a lot of guys entering the portal. And to this to, the, to this point, they have not. So we'll see if that continues. Yeah, just always believe Rashad Owens is kind of where we've landed <laughs> yeah, after this yeah. season. That's right. <laughs>
0: With his halftime speeches and everything else. So confirmed big names returning basically the entire offensive line. Joe Maholski, except for Preston Wilson to at, at, that we know of at this point. Center Joe Maholski, Cole Birmingham, guard and tackle. Dalton Cooper, tackle. Jake Springfield, tackle. And Jason Brooks, guard, tackle. Do it all. Offensive lineman. Still pending, Ollie Gordon. Pokes report continues to say that Ollie Gordon is locked in and it's just, he hasn't announced yet. I know he's getting offers from other schools. He's obviously going to participate in the bowl game after the bowl game. What he'll have about five days to make a decision before the portal window closes. I'm sure, you know, if you make the request and compliance clears it a couple of days after that would still happen. So I, you know, there's a chance you could see somebody report on like January 5th or something like that. Like we did last year. I think he's going to stay Cade. I don't know anything. I don't have any inside information. I'm not doing eye eyeball emojis on Twitter. <laughs> I just personally think he's going to stay. I, I don't know where you're at with that.
1: No, I, I have not heard anything concrete one way or another from, you know, the people I've talked to. I, I it seems like the, it's just a read the tea leaf situation. He's practicing with the team. Uh, he's attending all sorts of Oklahoma State sporting events. Still, he's participating in community events in Stillwater. It would at this point be shocking if he transferred. So I I, I don't expect him to. I have not heard one way or another like confirmed. Um, But I, I think I respect Ollie Gordon for just doing it on his own time. You know, I think there's also something to be said for not everybody has to make an announcement that they're coming back, but if you're Ollie Gordon, it might be appreciated by the fan base if you'd go ahead and announce.
0: Yeah, it would. It would be quite the troll if he never
1: announces. It just comes and back, it
0: gets all the way to the April window, and he still hasn't Whoa. announced, and we're still worried about it. <laughs> he
1: he may be into that. Don't don't put that into the universe.
0: I do love a good troll. Uh, along with Ollie, we haven't heard anything definitive from Brennan Presley, Colin Oliver, Nick Martin, Kendall Daniels and then Alan Bowman with the medical hardship waiver, Leon Johnson with his waiver, and then Justin Wright with the medical hardship waiver. It sounds like Justin Wright is 99.9% positive. His is going to be approved if it hasn't already. My understanding was that it has to be done after the season. So the, se- the regular season has ended, so he could have gotten it approved already. But with Alan Bowman, apparently Robert Allen is reporting that Bowman has an attorney representing him. So if he doesn't get it, he's likely going to appeal. In he's going to sue your ass. <laughs> yeah. So I think I think Alan Bowman, just from the article that uh, one of the Hutchin twins wrote on sellout crowd, talking to the compliance guy, Robert Allen, reporting that Bowman's already geared up to appeal.
1: I think we're going to see Alan Bowman back in Stillwater next year. That's just really funny. I'm already lawyered up and uh, I respect it. I think he's going to be back. Everybody I've talked to seems to believe that it makes a lot of sense that Alan Bowman would get that medical red shirt. But as I've said, and I'll maintain the NCAA does not seem to care about precedent set. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But I like I like that. He's walking in with a, a a suit already ready to go. Uh, good for Alan Bowman, knowing the cards that he's dealt here, who he's going up against. (laughs)
0: And just to recap the guys that are out of eligibility or have left and not entered the portal, Arlen Bruce is going to the CFL, Anthony Goodlow, defensive end, Nathan Latu, defensive end, Braden Cassidy, fullback, Alex Hale, kicker, Justin Wright, who we just talked about with the medical hardship waiver, linebacker, Xavier Benson, linebacker, Zeke Zaragoza, long snapper, Alan Bowman, quarterback, Elijah Collins, running back, Ian Edenfield, tight end, Josiah Johnson, tight end, and Leon Johnson, the third wide receiver. Cade, that's it with the leavers. You want to talk about some guys who came in or
1: potentially are coming in? I do. I very much do. This is exciting.
0: Okay, so let's hit the two commits first, who have confirmed are both going to be in Houston. They were both on Robert Allen's radio show and both said they were going to be in Houston with the team hanging out. I don't know how long they'll be there, if they're there yet, but it's pretty cool. And, Kate, not to give us flowers again, I'm doing a little bragging on this pod and I feel bad about it. I think we keep it rolling. Who, you know, I called out two guys last pod, one on offense, one on defense. And then I said, I think I gave two guys on offense, two guys on defense, but I I ranked them, power ranked them. My number one on defense that I thought Oklahoma State was going to land was safety Colby Hilton from Utap. And on offense, it was, and I've confirmed it's pronounced. Isaiah, not Isaiah which I said last week so sorry about that. Isaiah Glass from Arizona State. And Cade, Oklahoma State got both of them.
1: Yeah, th- two big pickups I think. I think Kobe Hilton is of the Trey Rucker kind of like caliber of pickup. Not necessarily comparing them, they they do have some similarities, but the caliber of pickup, I think you've got a nice player in Kobe Hilton and Isaiah, you said I'm. I'm just gonna make Isaiah. That's is how he said it on the radio. Isaiah. Yeah. Isaiah. Isaiah. Because I will mess this up again. Because I was thinking Isaiah the entire time. Isaiah. You're thinking Maya Milwaukee You're thinking. Oh for my for gosh. Later. We haven't even got there yet. But you just wait, sir. But he, being a former Power Five level starter at tackle, th- this is an interesting one. Like, does he come in and much like we wondered with Dalton Cooper last year, does he? push Jake Springfield at that right tackle spot or is he you know can he swing into a guard spot given that Preston Wilson's status is up in the air that is one that I'm I one, it's a great pickup too I'm very interested to see what they do with him yeah let's
0: start with him Kate so 65 295 left and right tackle he was at Arizona State from 2021 to 2023 he has 2 years of eligibility remaining because he redshirted this year he got injured after the first game at Southern Utah, came back in week seven and eight versus Washington and Washington State, and then decided, I think, and I don't blame him for this at all, Cade, Arizona State had such a terrible season. I think he decided, man, I'm going to hang it up, grab the red shirt, so I have two more years of eligibility remaining. I think that was a smart move on his part. He visited Stillwater December 11th and 12th and committed on the 16th. He had reported offers from some pretty big schools BYU, Houston, Michigan State, and Tennessee. And he actually had a reported Michigan State visit scheduled for last weekend, but committed to Oklahoma State the day that visit was supposed to start. So it sounds like he did not ever get up to East
1: Lansing and see the Michigan State campus. Yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. And I, I think that, especially in the portal area, anytime you're going up against another Power five level program and they're taking visits. You just get a little bit more nervous. Some of these guys commit sight unseen. Some of them like to commit on the spot. It's obviously not a, you know, one size fits all approach, but uh I think that this is a huge pickup. I think this, this could end up being one of the more impactful in the transfer transfer portal era for Oklahoma state. This one seems like it fits every box. Yeah. Uh Like I said, in, so
0: we talked about a 2023 In 2022, he played in 12 games, started all of them, 724 snaps. That was 85% of the total offensive snaps. 677 at left tackle, 46 at right. He also played in six games in 2021, 13 snaps at left tackle, and three at right tackle, mainly in garbage duty. I put out a Twitter thread on him. I watched the Southern Utah and Washington games from this past season and the 2022 UCLA game. I liked what he saw. We talked about this in the Arizona State preview last year and this year. In 2022, they were more, Arizona State was more of a pro style, zone heavy offense in the run game with a lot of drop back play action passing. In 2023, they mixed in a lot more gap scheme, GH, GT counter, pin and pull, some G lead, down G power in their rushing attack. And they mixed in some quick passing game. Not a ton of RPOs in either season, but I really like him. I think. He's probably a better run blocker than a pass protector, just because I think he's still kind of working on those good angles and things like that against speed rushers, which when Jake Springfield was playing less left tackle this year, that was one of my criticisms with him. He is a very quick kick step though. So I know he has the skill set to stop these speed rushers. I think it's just gonna take more reps. Obviously, he's only played one full season to this point. But my main takeaway on him, Cade, was not only is he strong, he's one of the most athletic offensive linemen I've seen. If you watch the third video I put up on that Twitter thread, he looks faster than the running back on some of those plays. Running out to the perimeter, running with the outside zone stretch play, pulling, he's got experience doing it all. And he's a guy, I was talking to Adam Lund a little bit, not only could he maybe slot in at right tackle or at left tackle and move Dalton Cooper over to right, I think he could even play guard because he's so athletic and he's got experience pulling. So this Cade is the, if he doesn't wind up a starter, this is the type of swing offensive lineman Oklahoma state has been looking for. They've got a guy like Jason Brooks, but Jason Brooks was starting until Birmingham slotted in and you and I both love Cole Birmingham, but due to those injuries, just maybe not versatile enough to be that swing guy that can kind of play anywhere. They try to use Taylor Maturko in that sense, who's a good offensive lineman but I don't think great enough to get a ton of
1: snaps at this level. Isaiah Glass is that guy. Yeah, I mean at 6'5" 295 like he, if he comes in and he's tackle, that's kind of the the frame of the tackles that Oklahoma State has had that maybe not better suited but you know, maybe more traditionally would play guard, but your point to his athleticism, I think he could play anywhere you put him. That's kind of what I said about him at the very beginning is I I think that they're going to put him where they need him the most. And if Springfield can be serviceable at right tackle, could you potentially upgrade your right guard position? I don't know, but I just think that this is a huge pickup regardless of what happens with, you know, obviously Birmingham's coming back, but with Wilson up in the air, I think this is a big pickup. No question about it. With signing day and with
0: all the stuff going on in the portal, bowl game coming up, hockey, You know, positions like defensive end and tight end where I think Oklahoma State really needs to upgrade, I think Isaiah Glass is going under the radar right now, and I think he's going to end up being one of the better portal pickups for Oklahoma State in the portal era, Yeah, along with guys like Dejon Stribling, Tay Martin. I, I think Isaiah Glass is going to make a big impact as soon as next season, and he's got two years left. Yeah, I I completely agree with you, hundred percent. And then on the other side of the ball, Kobe Hilton, UTEP, six foot, two hundred five pounds, safety. Hey, he's been at a lot of places. UTEP from twenty twenty two to twenty twenty three. He was at Louisiana, which I know they want to call it Louisiana, the the Louisiana fans, but it's Louisiana Lafayette. They're ULL <laughs> to me, and always will be. Little brother to LSU, way little brother, like stepchild to LSU, but. That's a different topic. Wow, I didn't know there was so much. I didn't know there was a a rivalry. There's no, 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 it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not. I sound like an OU fan right now. So Louisiana 2021, he was at NEO in Miami, Oklahoma in 2020. And then at Long Island University, straight out of high school, which he went to high school in Georgia and then wound, wound up at Long Island. Robert Allen asked him about it on the radio. And he said he had a connection with the DB coach at Long Island, because obviously that's a, really far away and kind of a random school he visited Stillwater the week of december 10th and committed on the 16th same day as uh isaiah glass and he played in 10 games in 2023 missed two games with an injury 562 defensive snaps that was 71 of utep's total defensive snaps 54 tackles 27 solo 0.5 tackle for loss four passes defended two forced fumbles One fumble recovery, and he earned honorable mention on the All-Conference USA team. In 2022, he played in 12 games, 723 defensive snaps. That was 96% of UTEP's total defensive snaps. So almost every snap that entire season, similar to a Trey Rucker this past season. And he was also honorable mention that season with 92 tackles, 55 solo, 10 tackles for loss, a half sack, three passes defended, and two forced fumbles. No snaps at Louisiana in 2021. He did play in six games at NEO, and he also played in eight games at Long Island. Cade, what were your thoughts on Kobe Hilton? I know you mentioned, and I have the same sentiment as you. To me, he is a Trey. He plays like Trey Rucker, even though I think he had more snaps kind of at free safety mm-hmm. than Rucker did this season. But kind of that Trey Rucker style, aggressive against the run, big hitter. But I think he's a better cover guy
1: than Rucker. Yeah. I I completely agree with that. At least in my kind of, you know, brief look at him, I I think that he helps you. I mean, obviously, you're extremely young back there. Once you get past Trey Rucker, I feel like this is a um a really big pickup for that reason. Like otherwise, you're you're working with Dylan Smith, Cam Epps, Kale Smith, or not Kale Smith, but just some young guys that this helps you kind of bridge that gap and maybe not necessarily put those guys back where they should be, but give them a chance to develop in practice, get some game reps, but you got somebody who's much more ready to go. And I mean, we saw this year safety safety was a big issue for Oklahoma state for most of the season. So I think what you mentioned about him being a better cover guy, potentially, then Trey Rucker, I think we'll see that. I think it's important um, that they upgrade in that area. They were not very good this year. Yeah.
0: He uh, primarily played the field or wide side safety spot in UTEP's base four-two-five defense. So a little bit different than that 3-3 odd stack that Nardo runs. And that field safety would be similar to the position that Dylan Smith and Cam Epps played, even though it's kind of a little bit defensive structure. Good tackler. I thought, he, you know, they played cover one and cover three variations and a little bit of quarters mixed in there. So he was asked to play man on the slot. And, Cade, something that stood out to me on film was how quickly he broke on the quick passes to the slot and made plays, something that we saw Oklahoma State struggle with, although some of that was scheme-related, not so much personnel, I think, at times. But I think he, I think he's probably better suited for the boundary safety where Rucker played this year and where Rawls started the season. But I think he could play the field, and if you needed him to, I think he could also play rover. I think he's versatile enough. I don't know if he's a starter. He's. I also I have no idea how much eligibility he has left. I've right. seen two and one years, and Robert Allen didn't ask him that in the interview, so I don't know. But if he only has one year, I think this is a guy you see rotating in. If he has two years, maybe. You see him a little bit next year and then more two years from now, but I don't know if he's an every down guy, but I think he's a guy that you use to maybe make sure guys like Trey Rucker aren't
1: playing every single snap. That's exactly it, and that would be a great outcome. If it's one year or two years, being able to rotate in and you don't have much of a fall off – or even maybe you're the guy who's there and Trey Rucker comes in and therefore your ceiling is lifted and your floor is lifted. That would be a great outcome for Oklahoma state. So I, yeah, Dustin, I I think you're spot on. All right. So the guys that have
0: committed that Oklahoma state was interested in or offered since we last talked, we're not going to recap guys that have committed and we talked about in the last pod, but the new guys, I'll just go through them real quick. No stats, just names and their school position. Wide receiver Kelly Akare from UTEP, committed to Mississippi State. Defensive end Cyrus Webster from Utah Tech, Justin Kirkland's buddy, he committed to Washington State. Offensive lineman Remington Strickland from Texas A&M committed to TCU. Offensive lineman Mac Pounders from Memphis committed to Mississippi State. Tight end Jordan Bingle from Kentucky returned to Kentucky. He visited Oklahoma State and decided he wanted to return to Kentucky. Tight end John Carlos Miller II from Elon committed to Texas Tech. Oak's report is reporting that he got a $100,000 NIL deal. Safety, Kobe Savage from K-State committed to Oregon. Safety, Devin Grant from Buffalo committed to Syracuse. And safety, Jaden Duggar from Georgetown committed to Louisiana Lafayette. That leaves on offense, left tackle Devin Manuel from Arkansas, who we talked about. Wide receiver running back Jalen Lucas from Indiana, who it looks like Louisville might be the front runner right now, but I think Oklahoma State's still in the mix. A new guy since last pod, tight end Tyler Foster from Ohio, 6'7", 249, officially entered on December 17th. He had 20 catches for 211 yards and zero touchdowns. This past season in 2022, he had 13 receptions for 185 yards and four touchdowns, played nearly 50% of the snaps this year, nearly a little bit over 50% in 2022. He had better run in pass blocking grades than Josiah Johnson, albeit against different competition, ran a route on 77% of pass snaps, lots of reps in the slot, even some video highlight video stuff in the slot, two drops on 36 targets. He's got one year of eligibility remaining. I think Houston, San Diego State, and West Virginia are major players for him right now, but apparently
1: Oklahoma State is coming hard after Tyler Foster. Yeah, he seems to be a pretty intriguing prospect to me. Up there with some of the, better tight ends they've taken a look at which kind of takes me back to john carlos miller if texas tech has a hundred thousand dollars to spend on a tight end from elon and i'm not like throwing him under the bus like that that number seems like maybe a little suspicious in my mind um if that's real i don't know but oklahoma state like that is a huge number that they'll be competing with if that's the case going into this new big 12. So something to keep an eye on. Dustin, the only one that I think would be a miss, I mean, would be a Jalen Lucas. I think he would come in and immediately be your, you know, scat back swing receiver type of slots. I mean, a major factor in this offense. And I think he would be the one that I think that would be a miss if they didn't land him.
0: And you got to think too, I know they've got other guys who can return kicks but the guys they have out there right now are Brennan Presley, Kale Cavaness, and Elijah Collins. They've already lost Jaden Nixon. They're going to lose Elijah Collins. You could definitely boost. I know, talking special teams right now, which is a little
1: wild. But you got to boost the return game when you're losing yep. some of those guys that have been back there all season. Yeah, 100. percent He's an electric athlete. I I would love to have him
0: on defense. Still out there. I don't know if Oklahoma State is still pursuing some of these guys, but they. Had previous reported interest. Lavaria Wiley from Central Michigan. Reggie Grimes from Oklahoma. A new guy, defensive end Anton Junjek, I think is how you say it? Yeah. From Albany. Right. 6'3", 273 pounds. He entered on December 18th, so the day the dead period started. 46 tackles, 12 sacks, 5 forced fumbles, 818 snaps on defense last season, or this season. All the big schools are in on this guy. He was an AP All-American first team, All-CAA first team, a Buck Buchanan finalist, which is the FCS Defensive Player of the Year. And he was the FCS sack leader this season with one year of eligibility remaining. I don't know if Oklahoma State's going to be able to get this guy, but he's very, very impressive. My favorite thing about him is if you go to Albany's roster and click on him, in his picture, he has a big cut on his nose, which I oh, love that in a yeah, deep defensive lineman.
1: We're big fans of that. That's we. That's well documented. Um, very interesting prospect, Dustin. We still got one more, and then I'll I'll save my final thoughts until we get you know through him.
0: Yeah, safety Tegan will from East Carolina. He's going on a UConn official visit. I think Oklahoma State's kind of out on him for now. That, since they've got Kobe Hilton. So yeah, what were your thoughts
1: on Anton? Yeah, I like him. I think my thoughts are more kind of on the guy that I think everybody's looking at in Reggie Grimes. He, you know, doesn't seem to be showing a ton of, like, national interest from, you know, Power 5 programs. And I kind of pointed this out on the last um, episode, Dustin, that he is he's coming from a Blue Blood program, which is always going to gain interest, but his output has not been, you know, that wildly impressive. He's flashed at times. But, I mean, the la- the only two offers that I see on his page, or at least on his Twitter that I can scroll down far enough to see, are North Texas and uh, Texas State. So I don't know what his recruiting situation looks like right now, but that's an interesting one because I know a lot of Oklahoma State fans want him. I don't know what the deal is there exactly. So we'll see. It doesn't feel like it's going to happen. It's almost like I take him for depth situation.
0: It kind of like, seems like if you don't love him, maybe just grab him. But personally, I think Caden, I don't know where you're at with this since we're wrapping up transfer portal. I think they're gonna get a tight end in a defensive end at some point, whether that's in the April window, whether that's after the portal closes, because you can still take guys. And I know that's not that doesn't sound great. Like it makes it sound like they're gonna be taking scraps. But I, I there's no way they go into fall. I don't think anyway, without adding at least one tight end and one defensive end, I could see them not adding any more offensive linemen. You know, may, it'd be great to get a receiver, maybe a more experienced running back behind Ollie. You know, you could talk you could talk me into another DB, maybe a linebacker, but I think they're pretty good. At most spots, except for tight end to
1: defensive end, I think they've got to add somebody. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Maybe multiple guys at defensive end after the way things went last year. I think you got to take a flyer on some some guys. Well, Kate, okay, they've got some guys
0: coming in that aren't portal guys because Erling's signing day. Early signing period starting on December 20th. It actually ends today. Can we just call it the
1: the, the signing period now? Because it's not not early anymore. It is signing day. Yeah, it's, it's signing day now. So we'll get into these guys. Okay, do we want to take a quick break to hear from our ad sponsor? That would be great. We'll flip it to Classic Overland and we'll come right back. We want to say a quick thank you to sponsor the Feels Like 45 podcast, Classic Overland. Classic Overland specializes in restoring original Land Rover defenders designed with your unique style and specifications. They go to great lengths to find quality vintage defenders before they begin the restoration process, and their team of experts will guide you through the various exterior and interior options to create the perfect build. Our friends Luke Reed and Robert Dennis of Classic Overland are both Oklahoma State graduates and will work with you through the process to ensure you have a great experience. And in addition, if you purchase a Classic Overland Defender and mention this podcast, the Feels Like 45 podcast, their team will donate a portion of the proceeds to the Pokes With a Purpose NIL Collective. To learn more, you can visit their website, classicoverland.com. And you can contact Luke and Robert at Robert at ClassicOverland.com. Thank you. And go, pokes. Let's get right back into it. Obviously, the early signing period uh, just finished Oklahoma State. No major surprises. And actually, I should say, no major surprises in the negative, a couple of surprises in the positive. So overall a great day for Oklahoma state, which is what you hope for.
0: Yeah. And if you look at the, you know, the ranking, I think 56th is where I saw it 11th in the big 12. Even if you look at the average, I think they're eighth in the big 12, not great, but again, they're going after portal guys. This is kind of, I'm not saying Oklahoma state shouldn't recruit better, but we've seen them recruit like this pretty much through most of Gundy's tenure. And they still have these 10 win teams going for 10 wins again this season. So Kate and I are going to talk about these guys and we're probably going to sound pretty excited about some of them. And if you disagree because of the rankings, I apologize, but that's, you know, we're just kind of going off the film that we watched. Speaking of film, we've been able to watch huddle tape on all of these guys, but we haven't dove into full game stuff, done full deep dives. We're planning on, and we've talked to him on already. He's down doing something similar to what we've done the past two years where we break down the entire class last year, though. We did it before the portal ended and some more guys came in. We didn't get everybody in. So we're going to probably wait until like February ish, yeah, just to get until all the dust settles to where we have some time, maybe even a little longer, sometime before spring football, and break these guys down fully with Adam want with Cade and I. But for now, we'll kind of go through their rankings player by player, whether they're an early enrollee, some of their stats, and our just general thoughts on their huddle tape, if that yep. sounds good to you, Kate It sounds great to me. I can't wait. All right. Well, let's start on the offensive side of the ball. So we'll go through the whole offense first, and we'll go to the defense. Maya Milwaukee-Smith, quarterback, 6'4". Hey, you're four. getting
1: so good at that, by the way. So good. <laughs>
0: quarterback, thank you. 6'4", 200 pounds from Gina perro Serra High School in San Mateo, California. That's Tom Brady's alma mater. The, oh, also, okay. the rankings we're using, we're going to use 247 because that's what we've always used on this pod. Not the composite, not on three, just the straight up 247. We like theirs the best. Adam Lunt put out a thread on uh, Armstrong Notum. I think it was earlier today. He kind of talked about the composite rankings versus 247. I know he agrees with us. So number 32 quarterback, number 40 player in California. He will be in an early enrollee. This past season was 130 of 233 passing, two interceptions, 1,842 yards passing, 21 TDs, five rushing TDs. Other schools recruiting him: BYU, Arizona, Arizona State, Cal, Cincy, Colorado, Florida State, Kentucky, Louisville, Miami, Michigan State. Missouri, Utah, Washington, a lot of big names. He's the California offensive player of the year this past season and in 2022. Cade, what are your initial thoughts?
1: I just think that this is an under the radar like quarterback prospect for whatever reason. I mean, I think the the uh, career interception total maybe, you know, three to one ratio isn't the best, but I I struggle to see. Why he's not at least a four-star prospect? When you look at him, he's got a live arm. He's he's quite mobile. And when you look at the offers, I mean, Florida State, Miami, Missouri, Utah, Washington, jump out. You know how heavily they pursued him. You don't know, but that is. I mean, that is good company. That is two playoff contending schools that I just mentioned. One is in the playoff. And for Oklahoma State to go into San Mateo and get him, I think is very intriguing. And to hold off, you know, I think their strongest competition in BYU and to get that signature is big time. I think that this guy and Zane Flores will compete for a starting role in two years. And I'm not saying Zane Flores is two years away. I'm just saying he's, I think he's going to be ready pretty quickly. He's got the frame. He's got the arm. It's going to be, can he process a defense and how quickly can the mental aspect of his game catch up to this level? That's the way I see it. Yeah, K, that was a great breakdown. From
0: my end, I agree with you too. I think he'll compete for a job early. I like his size. Good, not elite arm, but good enough. He can make all the throws, moves well in the pocket. He wants to throw. Like he's looking to throw kind of like how Gundy mentioned Alan Bowman, but he is very athletic and can run if he has to throws well on the run, even from his huddle tape, you can see him on a couple of those throws reading the defense. And even if he it doesn't look like he's going through the progressions, you can see him kind of look off, bake the safety, make the throw. He checks, he checks down. I've actually watched a little bit of his full game film unlike some of these other guys so far, I'm, I'm looking to do a full thread on him. Yeah. Great touch. He's got some under center reps, not a ton of RPO reps that I've seen, but obviously he's smart enough to do some of that stuff. So what? what my last note on him, Cade, I said might be one of the most mechanically sound OSU QB crew,
1: recruits in a while. That is that is spot on. And, you know, I, I say Hello, live Zane. arm in the same way that I mean it for Zane Flores. Not elite arm talent. Can make every throw, though, and can take the top off of defense easily. One thing that I think is impressive about him, he's got, back to your point, he's got a great release on the ball. So, you know, a lot of these guys come into school with a little bit of a quirky motion. Not really the case with him. I think I think it's going to be mostly mental. Can he read the defense? Can he make the right decision, and how quickly? He was an – most of the interviews, I, I mean, shout out to Robert Allen
0: and shout out to Levi, his producer on getting all these guys to come on the radio. But a lot of the interviews, as you know, like it's a high school kid. They're not expected to be great at interviews. A lot of them are kind of boring, mm-hmm. but you know, some of these guys, Caleb Hackleman, the next guy we're going to talk about, his was great. He was about to head to a hunting trip. He sounds like an awesome guy, but man, my Milwaukee Smith's interview was awesome. He sounds so locked into football. It, Robert Allen asked him what he does for fun and he had to think about it for a second. Oh wow. And I know Coach Gundy loves that, but he just sounds like an awesome guy, great team guy. Gave props to the rest of his team, gave props to Matter Day, who they lost to, got kind of beat by quite a bit in the state playoffs. He didn't have a great game in that game. He gave them a ton of credit, but it was it was really cool to listen to him. And you know, we'll probably go a little bit shorter on the rest of these guys, but we wanted to spend a second. On the quarterback, because that's obviously an important position to this Oklahoma State team. I think it's a great get. Shout out to Tim Rattay for locking him in, as you noted, but pretty cool stuff to grab a quarterback like that in this class. Yeah,
1: I totally agree. All right, we're going to hit a couple offensive
0: linemen before we move to the skill guys. I just talked about him Caleb Hackleman, offensive tackle, 6'6, 280 pounds, Pleasant Grove High School in Texarkana, Texas. He's a three star, number 67 rated. They rate him as an uh, interior offensive lineman number 127 player in Texas. He's also an early enrollee, got recruited by Baylor, Memphis, Texas State, Texas Tech. Texas football had him as a Texas top 300 player and one of the top offensive linemen in Texas. In his interview, he talked a lot about Coach Dickey, which is pretty cool. He's a dual sport guy. Does the shot shot put in track and field. Okay, this is a guy who I saw at left tackle, right tackle. He was under, he was kind of, their offense was kind of like an under center wing tee style offense so it was a little bit different than what he'll be in at oklahoma state so i think he's more of a developmental guy especially weighing 280 probably want to get in the weight room with coach dickey a little bit but i love this guy's kind of future path at oklahoma state you know maybe two three years down the road i could see him as a starter he's very physical not a ton of reps as a puller but i think he's athletic enough to do that and not a ton of pass pro reps. So it'll be, it'll be a developmental situation, which
1: will be kind of similar to Chauncey Johnson, who we'll talk about next, but I really like Caleb Hackelman. I do too. I think he's a little bit undersized in the weight category, but I like his height and I like the way he plays. And I think anytime you're recruiting against, again, this, this is the barometer for me, Baylor and Texas tech, you like winning a, a recruiting battle for an offensive lineman against those schools. Oh, 100%. Next up, we got
0: Chauncey Johnson, offensive lineman, 6'5", 290 from Lone Oak High School in Lone Oak, Arkansas. Three-star, number 77-rated offensive tackle, number 12-rated player in Arkansas. Arkansas and Missouri were kind of the main two on him. He's also a wrestler, power lifter, shot put thrower. When Robert Allen interviewed him, he was working a wrestling event (laughs) while he was on the phone, played both sides of the ball. Most of the snaps I saw him at were right guard, some left guard too athletic, uses his hands well, solid and pass pro operating in a spread offense. So should translate well, but K, okay, this is another guy who I think is more of a two, three year down the road before we kind of see him. So don't forget about him because he's very, very athletic. Coach Gundy mentioned he's the guy that when he, now that he's fully focused on football, his body will develop more as a football body, as opposed to a football wrestling Shot put powerlifting body, so it'll be interesting to see what he looks like in a few years.
1: Yeah, these are guys that will. I mean, the offensive line is very senior heavy coming into this year. You know, the guys that we talked about coming in last year and this year will be, you know, competing for starting jobs going into the year, not this coming year, but the following year. So, these depth pieces that we talk about. It's not as though it's like a throwaway. Like you just, they, they will have to wait their turn, but their turn is not very far away. Yeah. Agree. And then the last one is Nuku Mafi.
0: He's one of the guys we thought, yeah. you know, his buddy, Semisi Tonga flipped to Arizona state, a little worried that he might flip to an Arizona state or a BYU late, but he did not Six five two ninety five 295 out of West high school, which we know well now Jalen Warren in Salt Lake city, Utah, three star number 75 rated interior offensive lineman, number 11 rated player in Utah. Schools recruiting him, Arizona State, BYU, which I mentioned, Cal, Nebraska, Tennessee, Utah, Washington State. He played right tackle in a spread offense, saw some st- uh, left tackle steps as well. Out of all three of these offensive linemen, I think he's definitely the best yeah. in pass pro. I think he's someone that could play guard or tackle. He's got reps pulling, very balanced linemen, good athleticism. I think if any of these three guys, the
1: one I would pick to play the earliest would probably be Mafi. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think just developmentally, I mean, his his body is 6'5", 295. Like, I'm not saying he's coming in and playing next year, but he's he's the closest of the three that we've just talked about.
0: Technically sound offensive lineman as well to this point. Uh, All right, let's get into the skill guys. Let's talk first. I'm not going to go receiver-receiver because I want to talk about the fields guys together, kind of. So we'll start with Trey Griffiths, the only true receiver in the class, 6'3", 200 pounds from Keller High School in Keller, Texas, three-star, number 148 wide receiver, number 174 player in Texas, early enrollee. Last season, he had 44 receptions for 871 yards and eight receiving touchdowns. Baylor, Boston College, Kansas, Texas Tech, and Utah were all in on him. Dallas Morning News rated him as a top 100 area player. He was first team all district in 4-6-A at wide receiver. He's a track and field guy. I primarily saw him at outside receiver on the right side of the formation, which would be the Z receiver position in Oklahoma State's offense. Not a ton of route tree stuff, but saw quick hitch, go, now screens. Moves well after the catch for that height. Good speed, really good blocker, several reps on his huddle tape of him blocking. More wiggle probably than a guy like Leon Johnson or Rashad Owens at that kind of like bigger receiver type. Found space in zone, had good hands, caught a couple of balls off tips. He also ran a snag route, which is one of Oklahoma State's favorite concepts to run from this past season. Kid, I know he's not highly rated and I'm not saying he's going to be, you know, a Marcel Aitman, Tay Martin type guy in the future, he could be. But I think this is like a very high floor guy. 100%. And maybe a guy you even see as early as next season or two years from now getting some reps just because he's very developed.
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I mean, I think that guys that come in like this typically it works out well at Oklahoma State. And he seems to follow, I mean, the, a Rashad Owens comp is actually pretty good. He, he seems to follow that vein of recruit, and I, I would expect to see him on the field pretty quickly. Yeah,
0: I agree. He's, he's a very versatile receiver as well, it looks to be, from his film. Next up, we got both the fields. One was the, uh, the flip from TCU. We'll talk about Rodney, though, first, a long-time Oklahoma State commit. Committed after his OSU offer, so no other schools really after him. Running back, 5'9", 185. He was at Southeast, transferred to Dell City in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. He's a three-star, number 74-rated running back, number 14-rated player in Oklahoma. This past season, 103 carries for 1,156 yards and 18 touchdowns. He also had 257 receiving yards and two touchdowns and played on defense. He's a candidate for player of the year in Oklahoma. He's a track and field guy. His 100-meter time converts to about a 4'5"-ish So very fast, a lot of zone running. I think more shake to me than a guy like Nixon, but maybe not elite in a make-you-miss area yet, but he uses his speed to get away from guys. He does have a nice spin move. He's a return guy. They lined him up in the slot. They used him in the passing game. I like Rodney Cade. I don't know if we'll see him for a few years, though, just because he's a little undersized. I think he needs to
1: develop a little bit more, but he's got the talent to be a really good player. Yeah, he's, he's well-rounded. You know, he does a lot well, and I think that that sets up for, you know, potentially at his size, 5'9", 185. I mean, is that the is that the kind of Jaden Nixon role? Is that, you know, RB2? I mean, I'm trying to figure out what his ceiling is, and it will just be very interesting to see when he comes in, what style do they use him in? Because I, I don't know if he's an every down back today, but, like, They think Ceci Valahi, maybe. So how does Rodney Fields fit into that? I don't know, but it's going to be very interesting. I think that you know, his track and field background, his prolific high school career, I mean, he he is a guy that, again, when you see a recruit come in with that level of um, pedigree in terms of accomplishment, it may not be always in the form of recruiting stars, but an accomplished career, it typically works out well. I'll be excited to see him. I think this is a guy that'll, by the end of his Oklahoma State career, run a 4-4 yeah.
0: time on the 40 and be a guy that, you know, like you're saying, maybe they figure out how to use that type of Swiss Army knife, punt return, and has the potential to be kind of what you're saying, possibly in every down back. We'll just kind of see how it goes. I think I think he'll obviously be a guy that needs to develop. It would shock me if you saw him next year, but I'm very excited about Rodney. And then moving on to Ladanian, Day Day, as they call him, Fields. Kid, I think they're going to start him out on the defensive side of the ball, but I wanted to talk about him at wide receiver because yeah, that's I don't like know if they should. Film yes. he's, a, he's an RW McCorders type, which I've heard Robert Allen compare him to. This is a guy who I think legitimately could play on both sides of the ball at some point in his career. 6'1, 175 from Dell City High School in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma three-star, number 95-rated cornerback, number 16-rated player in Oklahoma. He committed late summer to TCU, made an official visit to Oklahoma State December 14th to 16th. Him and Rodney have played on the same team since they were four years old. He had 68 receptions for 1,433 yards and 23 receiving touchdowns this past season. And then on the defensive side, he had 47 tackles, five picks, 13 passes defended, a forced fumble, and a fumble recovered. He was recruited by a lot of big names along with TCU, and he's also a candidate for player of the year in Oklahoma. So you lose out on a guy like Kobe Black, but you get a guy like Ladanian Fields who maybe isn't as talented, but is a very talented player. Not a super fast converted 40 time, actually converts to like a 4'7", but he's a return specialist as well. Very smooth runner had reps in the slot at receiver reps outside ran all different types of routes out of both positions, just a very, very versatile player that you can use in so many different ways. And I think this is a name to remember for Oklahoma state
1: fans, because you're going to see him on the field. at some spot, maybe the best high school football player coming in. I mean, it's, it's, He'd be right up there with my Milwaukee Smith because he's, I mean, two time player of the year in California, but this guy, I mean, this is a huge flip.
0: He's like a, I mean, I would compare it almost to like a Brennan Presley, Braylon Presley, maybe not as good as those guys were at Bixby, but LaDainian is up. Like this is a guy who you go watch a Dell city game and you're like, Oh, that's yeah, like the who's best that? player I've ever seen. Yeah. 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 So yeah. he's just incredible. Like the type of guy you see on, you know, a high school football movie that's playing yeah. both sides of the ball, making plays, you know, it, he's just, he's very talented. I don't think a guy that's probably going to maybe on special teams next year, another guy who I think you want to develop
1: his body a little bit more, but he's so talented. Maybe you do see him somewhere. I mean, forty-five career receiving and rushing touchdowns combined is um that's staggering. I mean, a over basically over three thousand four thousand total career yards at Dell City. <laughs> that is um that is shocking. Oh, by the way, he has like a ton of interceptions uh to boot. So I mean I, I think that he's probably the guy I'm most intrigued by. I think you may have a a gem kind of player like you know guys that he comes out of nowhere and everybody's like holy cow who is that I think that may be him
0: I think he's a guy that obviously has technical things to work on because he does play so many different spots he's kind of going to need to figure out where he can excel at and focus on that from a technical standpoint but talent wise like you're saying he jumps off the page next we have got Jaden Allen Hendricks the running back we've talked about him a lot so we'll kind of Breeze through him a little bit, Cade. We've already read off his stats, but he's the 6'2", 225-pound running back from Irmo High School in Columbia, South Carolina. Three-star, number 85 running back, number 16th rated player in South Carolina. Coach Gundy said he might get up to like 245, 250 and play at that and then get <laughs> his 40 time down into the 4'5", 4, 4'6", 4, range. That would be insane. Maybe this is a guy who you even see switch to fullback or tight end at some point. My one note on him, Cade, before I throw it back to you, we talked about why he was under-recruited. Coach Gundy got asked about it, and he said maybe because of his forty time. I actually looked up, he transferred from his junior to senior year from Gilbert High School, which is AAA Region 3 in South Carolina, to Irmo High School, which is 4A Region 5, so I don't know if that played a factor. I know Gilbert was a good team in three a, but they're a little bit smaller school in South Carolina. And then he transfers to a little bit bigger school. So I don't know if that played a factor. Mm. I was just trying to figure out reasons why this guy had no hour five offers, but yeah, I mean that I just wanted to hit that before I threw it back to you.
1: Yeah. Like almost 2,600 all purpose yards this year between rushing and receiving 2000 yard rusher. Like, that doesn't really make a ton of sense. And at his size, six two, two twenty five, i I would I honestly I like the idea of a two hundred and forty five pound running back, I think. <laughs> but could you keep him at two twenty five and just see if he'll run for a thousand yards? because that seems like it worked well for him. I don't know, but it it will be very interesting to see, again, his recruiting profile. It's just kind of confounding. I think the transfer probably has something to do with it, but that that level of opponent in mean, South Carolina, though, that's that's not a bad football state. Um, I think this is another under-the-radar guy, just like we're used to seeing with Oklahoma State. Yeah, I, I don't expect to see Alan Hendricks anytime soon.
0: I think, obviously, they want to do some developmental stuff to his frame and to his body. So I think he's a developmental guy, but I'm excited – A cool late pickup, kind of like a Tywin Ray last year, who we know our guy Adam Lunt loves a lot. So last guy on offense, Cade, before we flip to the defense, Josh Ford, tight end, 6'6", 252 pounds from Stillwater High School. Gundy said maybe get him up to the 270 range. So another guy they're talking about bulking up. Three-star, number 105 rated tight end, number 23 rated player in Oklahoma. He's an early enrollee play defensive end as well. Maybe you see him convert to defensive end at some point at that size. He had 22 receptions for 245 yards, three touchdowns, 50 tackles, 13 and a half for loss, one forced fumble, one blocked field goal, three consecutive state championship games at Stillwater committed right after his OSU offer. Good hands, had some a lot of reps at the H-back or fullback spot, some at inline tight end, big body. Like, like we mentioned, but he is athletic. He is the type of guy who, when Coach Gundy says, has no regard for their body and just <laughs> flies at people. Ford shows that on film. Reminds me so much of how Josiah Johnson blocked later in this, to the middle to later on in the season. And honestly, looks a lot like a bigger Josiah Johnson out there. I He's a guy, kid, you talked about Alan Hendricks, maybe not beefing up. I think if you keep him in the 250 range... Yep. This could be a
1: Josiah Johnson. Well, where I was headed too is if you put ten pounds on him, all of a sudden it's like, can he play guard? I don't know if you need it or tackle, but like, I mean, yeah, like six six, two fifty two, and he plays that way, like. That's very interesting. I, I love, I love guys with mean streaks and uh, having a guy at tight end like that was invaluable. I mean, Josiah Johnson was a huge part of the the run game this year. I, I can't wait to see what Josh Ford does. This is an under the radar guy. If they don't get a tight end in the portal, which I'm like
0: 99.9% positive, they're going to get somebody. Maybe you have to play forward some next year. So, I don't want to make a call on him yet. I think he's a developmental guy, but the tight end room is pretty thin right now.
1: Yeah, very, very thin. They
0: they need yeah. some guys. All right, moving to the defense. First guy, Landon Cleveland, our favorite, the big recruiter in this class, recruiting all the other guys. Safety, six foot, one hundred eighty three pounds from Mansfield Legacy High School in Mansfield, Texas three-star, number 68-rated safety in the country, number 95-rated player in Texas. He's an early enrollee. He missed most of the season with a shoulder injury, so I'm not going to read off his stats, but so many big names coming after him. Arizona State, Auburn, Baylor, Colorado, Kansas, Michigan, Mizzou, Mississippi State, Nebraska, OU, TCU, Texas, Texas Tech, all-district player his junior season, I wanted to read, Cade, instead of doing my film review, this is a guy that Gabe Brooks for 247 broke down, and I wanted to read that to you real quick, if you don't mind. Highly productive tackler with experience playing forward, but also over the top as a deep safety. Posted consecutive 100 tackle seasons as a sophomore and junior, plus five total interceptions. Adequate height, approaching six feet with a fairly stout build. Plays a physical style and hits heavier than his listed size. Tone setter as a tackler flashes impressive downhill pursuit speed and closes fast on the line plays aware and has shown rangy zone coverage ability disruptive at the catch point in contested catch situations best used playing forward as a downhill enforcer fits the modern rover box space box safety space backer archetype i mean that all just sounds yeah. amazing to me and then he finishes it with could potentially become a quality multi-year starter especially in the right
1: scheme fit. I mean this is the guy that I I think this is the centerpiece of Brian Nardo's defensive recruiting class which is a very good one. And we'll get to some others that just stand out but Landon Cleveland is a long-time commit. I think that that position is as important on the defensive side as any other one that Brian Narder is recruiting for. And to go in and get one of the top caliber players in that vein, in that position, I think is a huge deal. I mean, I think the Alabama offer, like his recruiting profile is astonishing and, and very impressive. The Alabama offer, to my, to my mind, says enough. Like, they 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 got in late, Oklahoma State, Hung tough for Landon Cleveland, but I mean, this is a guy that most of the SEC wants. This is a guy that a lot of good Big Ten programs want, and Oklahoma State got him, and I think that he's going to play one of the most important positions on the field for Oklahoma State. Yeah,
0: I I love Landon Cleveland. I think this is a guy who you could see early, probably not next season, but you could definitely see him early because he's that talented. Next up, we've got David Cabongo, safety, 5'11", 185 from Byron Nelson High School and Trophy Club, Texas. Three-star, number 94, safety, number 134 in Texas. He is an early enrollee. Last season, he had 32, 48 total tackles, 38 solo, 12 tackles for loss, two sacks, two picks, one forced fumble, or one fumble recovered and two forced fumbles. Kansas, Arizona State, Indiana, Missouri, SMU, Texas, Texas Tech, Utah, Washington State, all after this guy, he went, I think, the farthest out of anybody in the Texas high school playoffs, out of all the Texas recruits in uh, the Oklahoma State class. He was an all-district 4A, 4-6A safety. His 100-meter time converts to the 4 6 range. He played the safety in kind of a three-down, three-safety defense, return specialist as well. Looks to be playing that field-side safety, sometimes lined up as more like a linebacker-strong safety I really like him. Very aggressive. I think he's a developmental guy, but I do like David Kabongo a lot. He finished, he was one of the only guys that
1: finished his interview with Robert Allen with a go pokes. Well, we always love that. You did steal my word. I was going to say aggressive. I think that that flashes when you watch Cabongo, I think undersized perhaps, but I mean, maybe not too bad to the point where you're not going to notice a drop off. I I think that he's again, long-term, Ideally, a guy like, you know, Kobe Hilton comes in. You don't need to see Kabongo, much like you wouldn't have wanted to see Cam Epps early on in his career. This is a good pickup. Yeah, I agree. Next up, we got Willie Nelson. And speaking of undersized,
0: he at cornerback is kind of built more like a Kale Smith. Yep. than you know, some of your bigger corners we've seen at Oklahoma State. 5'10", 170 from Longview High School in Longview, Texas. Three-star number 135 rated safety, number 183 in Texas. He's an early enrollee, 50 tackles, 35 solo, four tackles for loss, six picks, six passes defended, and he had a lot of return yards. Colorado, OU, SMU were all in on him. He was an all-district guy in 5A, Dallas Morning News top 100 area player. His 100-meter time converts to a 4'8", which isn't yeah. great at a defensive back position, but... He's got reps all over at the nickel. I said he's a return guy, played some free safety, some corner, not afraid to come up and make plays against the run. I don't think we see Nelson anytime soon. I hope, you know, he proves me wrong, but I think this is maybe like a three year down the road yeah. type guy. I uh, agree. More of a developmental, especially since he's
1: like only 170 pounds right now. I would agree with that. And I think somewhat maybe average to above average athleticism but seriously undersized i would agree with that i, I you wouldn't want I, I mean you wouldn't want to see him early on in his career could end up being a really I, good player but we'll see agree jacoby olifont the last
0: signee in the class because he did his on thursday he's the cornerback six 175 pounds from st louis university high school in st louis missouri three-star, number 86-rated athlete, number 22-rated player in Missouri. He said on the radio that he was probably going to start out at a cornerback spot but also could play safety. 86 tackles, 66 solo, two tackles for loss, three sacks, two picks, one return for a touchdown, four fumbles recovered, and he also had a bunch of return yards, including a 98-yard kickoff return for a touchdown touchdown. Boston College, Colorado State, UConn, Ohio, Wyoming, we're all in on him. A lot of reps at free safety. So, you know, it's maybe a little odd that he might come in and play corner. I didn't, you know, not a ton of great film, but he's a track guy who I think is going to run track at Oklahoma State as well. Super athletic, and you can tell he's extremely intelligent. He was even ahead of Milwaukee Smith, he was the best interview Robert Allen had. He's awesome. I can't wait to listen to him talk to the media more. I'm not sure, Cade, where I see him kind of ending up on this defense because he's so tall, played a lot of safety. He's very, very
1: fast. We'll kind of see where he ends up, but I think he's very intriguing as a recruit. I don't I don't know if they the coaches know exactly where he ends up. I mean, I th- I think it's obvious what they'd like to see in that, you know, that six, four frame fills out to 195, 205, And he plays maybe like a Trey flowers role. I don't know. But when, when I see that as a defensive back, it's obviously it harkens back to guys like that. So, you know, again, I think a long-term play here, but anytime you've got a guy who can play on the defensive side at that size. I think even though he's, you know, a little bit light at 175, I I think that they will, they will try to get him up to that 205. And then who knows where he ends up playing. I'd love to see him at corner personally.
0: Yeah, I like that as well. I love uh, six, four corners. Awesome. So yeah, next up, this guy may get out on the field early Tamaric Johnson defensive end. 6'3, 209 pounds from Midlothian Heritage High School, which we know from former Oklahoma State recruits in Midlothian, Texas. Three star, number 60 rated edge in the country, number 139 rated player in Texas. He's an early enrollee, 57 tackles, 27 solo, 19 and a half tackles for loss, eight sacks, three passes defended, two fumbles recovered, recruited all over the place, Cal, Army, Navy. Boise State, BYU, Houston, Minnesota, Nebraska, Utah, just Oregon State. Everybody recruiting him. He's gonna uh, selected and played in the 2023 U.S. Army Bowl at the Star in Frisco, Texas. He was a defensive line MVP in District Five A Eight in Texas. Primarily played that field, strong side defensive end and a four down front. Very fast, true edge rusher type guy. Thinking like a Calvin Bundage. Freshman year, Colin Oliver, Trace Ford type of guy, which, sorry for mentioning his name, maybe someone that could play the Xavier Benson strong side linebacker position. But he, you know, he's experienced with his hand in the ground as well. Maybe he could move him to the defensive end in this three-down defense. I think he's a special teams guy as well because he's so fast and so strong. They moved him all over the place at Midlothian Heritage. I really like Tamaric He's very developed body-wise already. He might be able to add a little bit more weight depending on where they want to use him, but he's already extremely strong and
1: extremely fast. Yeah, so when I said, you know, Landon Cleveland was a centerpiece, I mean, I, I think Tameric Johnson is the the second of the three that I'm very excited to talk about. He is kind of a freak athlete. I think that he he's one of the guys that when you watch his film, you don't really understand why I think maybe at two Oh nine, that could be it. Why he's like under the radar. Cause that's who Oklahoma state brings in. But for me, the athleticism jumps off the page. And so I, I agree with you. I think he's a contributor fairly early in his career. And I think that people will like, he will come in early and Tamaric Johnson is not the Landon in Cleveland name, but people will like see him and be like, wait, who is that? And I, I can see that happening pretty early with Johnson. Yeah. Another defensive end, Luke Webb, 6'4", 276
0: pounds from Deer Park High School in Deer Park, Texas. Three-star, number 76-rated defensive lineman, number 94-rated player in Texas. He's an early enrollee, 59 tackles, 34 solo, 14 tackles for loss, three sacks, one pass defended, two blocked extra points, a bunch of schools after him, Arizona, Cal, Kansas, Indiana, SMU, Tulane, Oregon State, Washington State. He was the defensive MVP for the past two seasons in District 22-6A. He's a shot put guy in track and field. He's lining up as a three or four tech and a four down front. Also saw him use as a zero-tech nose. He played on offensive line, explosive, strong, bull rusher, sure tackler. I think that he pretty much physically dominated every offensive lineman I saw him go against in 6A Texas football. Comes off a little high at times, but I think he's athletic enough. I think this is a guy that, you know, two years down the road is getting a ton of reps on the defensive line in Nardo's defense. Yeah,
1: that's that's going to be critical. I mean, he's 6'4", 276 at defensive end. That's that's pretty much ready to go. It's going to be, can he, can he be physical at this level? Can he be technically sound enough? I, I, I think he is potentially an early contributor as well. Like earlier, among the earlier in this class. Yeah, I mean, can he be your Anthony Goodlow,
0: your Cody Walter shot? I was thinking In Walter that mold. That's kind of yeah. yeah, that's kind of what I see him as. But yeah, I, I'm I'm excited about Webb. He's one of the higher-rated guys on this defense. Next up, Cade, we've got Armstrong Nodum, and we're going to give him an award that I just made up and didn't tell you about. This is the Adam Lunt Tywin Ray MVP of the class award because This is a guy who I think is a little bit under the radar rated, but if you saw Adam's thread or if you received text messages like I did from Adam Lunt about Armstrong Notum, (laughs) you know that he's very excited about this guy. Defensive lineman, 6'2", 257 pounds from Mesquite Horn High School in Mesquite, Texas. Three-star, number 169 rated defensive lineman, number 235 rated player in Texas. He's an early enrollee, 66 tackles, 43 solo, 34 tackles for loss, 13 sacks, 15 quarterback hurries, two forced fumbles, one fumble recovered. He's a state champion wrestler. He was first team all district 10, 6A defensive end. He decommitted from Rice and flipped Oklahoma State, not on signing day, but earlier. Saw him lining up as a five tech, saw him as a three. He's got some good moves besides just the straight bull rush. uses his hands well. I think... Because he's like 6'1", 6'2", he's a little bit small for that big-time defensive end recruit, and maybe why he's a little bit under the radar. But, Kate, if they don't get any defensive linemen in the portal, this is one of the guys that I think you could throw out there on the defensive line as early as next year, just based on his pure strength and technical ability
1: already. Yeah, so he's number three on my list of guys I can't wait to talk about cuz he can squat a Subaru Impreza basically. I mean, he is <laughs> as strong as they come out of high school and I know that like is there a ceiling to a human strength? Like when you come in that strong and you work with Rob Glass like what what are they what are they trying to get you to at that point? Are they do they set a number and say, "Okay, I know your bench max is 500 pounds. We're going to get you to 600. Like, is that I don't think that's how it works. I mean, who knows? Because you're right. He's already so strong for him. It's like you're already in the top 1% of the strongest humans on Earth. That's 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 Cade (laughs) Webb science. That's bro science. I don't know if that's true. I don't have the tables in front of me, but I would argue that it's not about strength of him. It's going to be is he again, much like Luke Webb. Can he be technically sound enough to use that strength to his advantage? We saw Justin Kirkland at times have a learning curve to playing at this level because there's a lot of smart offensive linemen out there. I think Armstrong Nodum's is going to have a similar kind of trajectory, but if he puts it together, Dustin, he's going to be a household name. I mean, he he, oh, he yeah. will be that good if he can.
0: Yeah, Cade, I, I love that breakdown from you. I don't even have anything else to add. We've got two guys left, both linebackers. Gunner Wilson, linebacker, 6'3", 206 pounds from Melissa High School in Melissa, Texas. Three-star, number 123-rated linebacker, number 198-rated player in Texas. He had seven receptions on offense for 153 yards and uh, I think a couple touchdowns, 88 tackles, 43 unassisted, 26 tackles for loss, one sack, two interceptions, two passes defended. Not a ton of major schools after him. But he's been dominant on both sides of the ball throughout his high school career. Two-time All-State player. He's going to be All-State again this year, I would assume. Finalist for Mr. Texas Football. He primarily looked like to be playing like the weak side linebacker spot on defense. Super athletic. Great in coverage. Had a lot of coverage reps on his huddle film. Moves his hips well for a linebacker. Very talented tight end as well. He played wide receiver, even some, it looked like. I, I mean, I think this this guy is a really, really solid player who I think could wind up playing a lot of snaps in the future at Oklahoma State. I think
1: I think Jeff Robertson type here. I just prototype Maybe a
0: little more athletic than Jeff. I was, honestly. I, was
1: I was gonna say no shot at I, Jeff. No, I I don't think I didn't take it that way. I do agree with you. I think him playing both sides of the ball shows that. He could be a candidate to flip to the other side, though. I, that's something that I'm watching for with him. It's like, does he finish his career at linebacker at Oklahoma State, or is the way they're recruiting with the guy that we'll wrap up with? Are they recruiting well enough to where you could look at a a Gunner Wilson and flip him? I don't know, but I I think that he's going to be a good player. It just be it's just a question of when. You know, is it is it late in his career? Is it early? We'll see. Yeah, and
0: great segue to Jonathan Agumadu, who is. Extremely fast, extremely athletic, very crazy jacked. athletic. <laughs> He's six to And I think it's 215 pounds of pure muscle. Yeah. 4% <laughs> if
1: I body was him, fat. I would walk that's around with also, the shirt off always. Yeah. 4% body fat that I also can't prove that, but that's what it looks like. So
0: <laughs> McKinney high school in McKinney, Texas, three-star number 142 rated linebacker, number 228 rated player in Texas, 37 tackles, 29 solo four tackles for loss, six sacks, three QB hurries, two passes defended, three fumble recoveries, one forced fumble, one blocked field goal. He's first team all district, 5-6A. Missouri, Memphis, ULL, SMU, all coming after this guy. Mainly reps at outside linebacker, edge spot, but looks like Oklahoma State's recruiting him more as a true linebacker. I like Agumadu a lot. I think he's a developmental piece. I don't know how much, again, kind of like NOTAM, I don't know how much stronger he can get, but you definitely can develop him in the technical standpoint at the linebacker spot.
1: Yeah, I think, I think they, they clearly went for big, athletic, strong, and they'll coach you the rest. That's kind of the way I leave feeling about Brian Nardo's class. But I will say this just to kind of cap off the defense, I thought Brian Nardo did a fantastic job of intentional recruiting like you can see exactly what he's trying to do with each of these Jacoby Oliphant maybe the only one that there's some up in the air as to where he ends up but you're talking corner safety that's a thing that we've seen corners flip to safety just out of necessity so I think that Nardo did a very nice job of addressing needs and I think that they're going to upgrade athleticism defensively over the next couple of years. They will be a more, I didn't think that they were beat you with speed like they have been over the, like this season, this was not their fastest defense. I think they're going to get back to that. Yeah, Jade, I think
0: that's a perfect way to wrap up the class. I love those points about Nardo recruiting intentionally. And sorry if we did that a little fast. We're going to go way more into detail. We'll dedicate an entire podcast to this class and the transfer portal guys. And we'll bring on Adam Lunt, who's much smarter than both of us to
1: talk yeah, about I'll... it as
0: well. It'll be a lot of fun, but Hey, okay, that's all I've got. And I'm ready to do one of the most frustrating previews we've put together for another team at all ever. Probably.
1: Well, I'll, pa- I'll pass you a beer uh, to do that because yes, this one is um, confusing. And I, again, I just think it's a product of where you're at in the bowl season, but Texas A&M I mean, in the in the Texas Bowl, an underwhelming season for them. They didn't get to fill in the blank national championship trophy. They fire their head coach. Dustin, this is a program in flux. I don't think that they were able to go out and get the guy that they wanted at head coach. I think this is the guy before the guy because they can't afford the new guy because they just paid the previous guy a crazy amount of money to go away. So this is a good opportunity for Oklahoma State to get a – Not a banner win, but one that you can feel pretty proud of to go in and smack around a Texas A&M team who has more resources than you, recruits at an extremely high level. But Dustin, they're confusing going into this game. You have really no clue who's playing.
0: Yeah, and K, to piggyback on that, to get to 10 wins, which would be huge. I I mean, the 10-win seasons, the double-digit victories, Mike Gundy's got so many of them. You know, we've talked about that in the preseason about how he ranks compared to anybody else with those 10 win seasons. So it would be huge. But yeah, so we've talked about it on this podcast before. I make my own depth chart based off watching film, injury news and PFF snap counts for every team that we play against. And you and I use those for our previews. I had to keep changing this one because Texas A&M had so many players opt out, enter the NFL draft, enter the transfer portal. And then Elijah Robinson comes on on his preview this week, like, you know, the, the bowl preview press conference, who's going to be Texas A&M's. He was Texas A&M's defensive line coach and co-DC defensive run game coordinator. He's been associate head coach, interim coach. He took over after Jimbo Fisher was fired for the final two games. He's going to be going to Syracuse to be the defensive coordinator, but he's still going to coach in this game. And he comes on the presser and says that if a guy hasn't committed to another school, he's still letting them practice and possibly play in the bowl game. And then when the media is asking him questions about specific guys, he's not answering on all of them if they're practicing or going to play. So I get it from his standpoint, because I'm sure he wants to win this game and leave right. Texas. He keeps mentioning leaving Texas Tech in a good spot. He's been there since 2018, so I get it. But you know, for us podcasters, I'm going to complain because it's impossible to do so. and Texas Tech. They fired Jimbo Fisher with two games left. I went and watched Mississippi State, which was Jimbo Fisher's last game, and then the two games where Elijah Robinson was the head coach. And the reason I watched those three and not anymore was because those are the three games where quarterback Jalen Henderson started, and he's going to be the starter in the bowl game. And, you know, kid, I don't even know if DJ Durkin, their defensive coordinator, is defensive coordinating the bowl game. I tried to look it up, and maybe you found that but mm-hmm. I haven't found any confirmation. I don't think he is, but I don't think he's taken another job yet. So I don't, I, and you know, on offense, we'll get into that, but Bobby Petrino's not going to be there for the bowl game. So it's a confusing team. I pulled these stats getting into their offense before the bowl game started and I haven't updated them. So they may have changed a little bit, but after the regular season, 40th and passing offense, 87th in rushing offense, 48th in yards per play, 24th in points per drive, 87th in sacks allowed, 81st in turnover margin, and 21st in, A- in F plus. And Cade, their offensive coordinators for this game are going to be their wide receiver coach, James Coley, and offensive analyst, Jim Cheney. Wow. They both apparently have experience calling plays, either for Texas and Am or somewhere else. But I I just it's very, very confusing to figure out what these guys are going to do if they're going to use the 15 bowl practices to install some new stuff if they like to call different plays than Petrino played or what this offense is even going to look like
1: yeah it makes it very difficult to to break down I think you'll see early what they're trying to do but to me Dustin the idea that they'll install new stuff I mean I I could see that what they run though is a totally different thing. And with such so much new personnel potentially out there, I, I don't know how complicated or new they can get. So yeah. it's going to be very interesting to see.
0: Yeah. So talking about their scheme, a lot of 11 and 12 personnel with tight ends out there, unbalanced sets, trips showed some quads in the uh, Abilene Christian game, which is one of those three games that I watched. Uh, sorry. I didn't even say which ones it was. It was Mississippi state, Abilene Christian and LSU Saw some 21 personnel, two-back sets. They also did some two-back looks with Aniah Smith, the receiver who's not going to be in this game back there as one of the running backs. Do some empty. Smith was their main motion guy in orbit, across, return motion, but they also used tight end motion quite a bit in the Mississippi State game. They'll do some double H-back to the same side of the formation looks. They'll run pistol, They'll do some under center, not just in short yardage. In the run game, inside zone, split zone, what Bobby Petrino calls extra. They'll do outside zone stretch plays. They also mix in some power. Saw power lead out of the I formation with a fullback. I saw GT counter, split back counter, GH counter, pin and pull in the Abilene Christian game. They ran a couple toss sweeps in the Mississippi State game. They ran jet sweeps, but they mainly ran them with Smith. And again, he's not playing And then they did that double tight end H back counter and then some RB bash stuff where the running backs going the opposite way of a run play design for the QB. They run zone out of a bunch of different looks. They ran a ton of bash in the LSU game. They do QB run game with Jalen Henderson. He's a lefty as well. Zone read some of that split zone bluff, which Oklahoma state used to do with Spencer Sanders speed option, even Cade in the LSU game. QB draw, QB power read in the ACU and Mississippi State games. They did a double tight end counter read for the quarterback in the Mississippi State game. In the passing game, simple passing concepts, a lot of drop back. I saw very little what looked to me as post-snap RPO mesh. It's a lot of play action. They'll do some pulling linemen play action, but it wasn't true RPO. Wide receiver screen, stick routes They'll roll out mainly to the left do some fast motion type stuff, several rollouts in the Mississippi state game mesh in the LSU game, saw some swing passes. They like to get the running backs involved, curl flat, quick hitch. They will throw it deep, but I didn't see Henderson connect on a ton of those. And when they did do RPO, it was mainly screen RPO stuff with some out and glance RPO. And they struggled a lot in these games with some second and third level pressures And Jalen Henderson, mainly he self-sacked himself and he left the pocket really early at times. He, he looks to scramble a lot. So very interesting. I don't know exactly what they're going to do, but if they're going to keep it similar to what they have been doing, that's kind of a
1: breakdown of their scheme. Yeah. It's a, it's a great look. They, they like to do quite a bit. I I just think with a, a young signal caller like this, who's not played a ton it'll be interesting to see, you know, how effective they are. They've had some injury issues at quarterback. You know, I think that they are, they're here one due to, you know, their own ineptitude as a program, but two, they've they they've had some injuries that they're battling through and um, you know, we'll, we'll see Dustin, but I, they've got as much talent as anybody. So it's going to be a matter of how, how much can they put together?
0: Yeah. And just to hit on those guys who have left Cade, on offensive line, they've lost right tackle, Chase Besitus, 554 snaps, 12 starts. And then Layden Robinson, their right guard, 691 snaps. He's going pro, but apparently Elijah Robinson said he's still with the team, but he's banged up. So I don't he he made it sound like he was not going to play in the bowl game. So they'll be missing two starters on the offensive line. But they still got great players. Trey Zun, Mark Nabu, Bryce Foster, Cam Duberry, Demetrius Crownover. You've talked about these guys. And then at running back, they don't lose anybody. They've got Amari Daniels, Ruben Owens, and Le'Veon Moss. All three of these guys, they're separated by like three attempts. They all have around 94 to 97 attempts. They're all not like way different in size. Amari Daniels is a little bit shorter, but th- they're all really good players. They're going to use all of them where they lose a lot outside of quarterback. You know, they've lost Mac Johnson. They've lost one of their other quarterbacks as well. And they've got Jalen Henderson, who started the season as a third string. But wide receiver is where they lose a lot in tight end. Evan Stewart is not going to be there. He entered the transfer portal recently. Second in targets, tied for second in TDs, 403 snaps. He injured a little bit this season, or he'd have more snaps. He's the deep threat. Tight end Jake Johnson, who's Max Johnson's, uh, I think, brother or cousin, 449 snaps, 12 starts, fourth in targets. And then Anaya Smith, who was like their main guy, he's opting out, 559 snaps, lead in targets, receptions, and yards. So they've got JD Walker, they've got Moose Muhammad in the slot, and they've got Noah Thomas back. But outside of those guys and Micah Tees, they don't have many. I think their next receiver on the roster. Has twenty total snaps on the
1: year outside of those four guys that I mentioned. Wow, yeah, I mean, it's not like their the cupboard is empty. I mean, Walker and Muhammad are really good players, so it'll they're gonna have their work cut out for them. But anytime you lose a guy like an Smith like that, that they're gonna have to figure out, you know, how to run their offense through guys who were previously, you know, second, third, fourth options. So again, I I just think that they're going to be, you know, uncomfortable early. We'll see what they figure out late in that game. Hey, the only other thing I have on
0: the offense is Jalen Henderson. I I think he's talented. He's a really good runner. I'm scared about that, but man, I know he doesn't have many interceptions in these games, but he has thrown a lot of questionable passes (laughs) And the pick he threw in the LSU game was really bad. He had a really bad turnover-worthy play in the ACU game. He got stri- strip-sacked in the ACU game. 3.3, 3.26 time to throw. That's because he's mainly just scrambling around back there. So I, I'm not super impressed by Henderson. I hope that doesn't come back to bite us. We've had some bad luck with quarterback analysis this year. Yeah. But I, I, he, I'm i not terrified of this offense, and, it, Kate, if you don't have any more notes, I think that sentence was to segue us into the defense, who, if these guys were full strength, this defense was really good. I mean, 20th in passing defense, 17th in rushing defense, 4th in tackles for loss, 3rd in sacks, 17th in defensive yards per play, 30th in defensive points per drive, 14th in F-plus. But the problem is, Kate, they now have one... Two, three, four, five, six, six guys on the roster who have played more than thirty-five percent of the snaps oh on cow. defense this season. That is staggering. It's not good. That's not what you want. I mean, I, I don't even know how, how you game plan besides scheme against these guys and. Scheme wise, DJ Durkin. It was kind of a four-two-five scheme, but they'll use it's a four-two-five with a three-down lineman in the jack, similar to Oklahoma State's former Leo position. They'll change it around a lot, though. They'll go three-down odd front at times. They'll move that Leo Jack player around, but they most of the time have at least four up near the line of scrimmage. Although at Mississippi State, they ran a lot of three-down odd front. Fadil Diggs was their edge guy, and he's terrifying. He's actually transferring to Syracuse to go with Elijah Robinson. But Elijah Robinson, this was the one of the guys he actually noted was not practicing. So they won't have him, you know, in coverage. Brennan Presley talked about it. A lot of cover three press, a lot of cover one man coverage, a lot of quarters. So it's a lot of man stuff. They'll do some zone fire blitz, like to do it from the quarterback's blind side. It's kind of a Nick Saban old favorite. They'll, they'll do the fire zone cover three blitz. They mix in some Tampa 2 stuff, but it's mainly a lot of man and a lot of stuff that looks like man with that cover three. You can hit them on pick and rub stuff. They'll do some stunning. They blitzed a lot in the LSU game. A lot of single high, but they'll mix in too high. M- mainly quarters in that LSU game is what it looked like to me. But Cade, the big story here on their defensive line, they're without Walter Nolan, second in sacks, 10 starts, 365 snaps. They're without LT Overton, 220 snaps. They're without Phil Fidel Diggs, who I mentioned already, 466 snaps, 12 starts, third on the team in hurries. They've lost Isaiah Reich's 255 snaps. And opting out is McKinley Jackson, one of the, in my opinion, the best defensive lineman on the team outside of Nolan probably, 430 snaps, I don't think he's going to play. It hasn't been confirmed. But Jackson and Rakes are their two nose tackles. Yep. So they've lost all their snaps at nose tackle. And then Anai White is injured. So they've got Shamar Turner, Shamar Stewart, Albert Regis, DJ Hicks. But right now at nose tackle, Gabriel Brownlow Dindy is who I think will probably get the start there unless they move a guy positions. He has 30 snaps on the season. Wow. Wow.
1: Yeah, that is... that is um I don't know anything about Gabriel Brownlow Dendi, but that is a tough spot to put a kid. And you know, I I see a name DJ Hicks down there. Old friend alert. Oklahoma State recruited him pretty heavily out of high school, but for him, like, it's so thin at that nose tackle spot that you just hope they can stay healthy. Like, if yeah. not, that this is you know in a in a difficult spot. You can bring your entire roster. To a bowl game right it's not like you have to bring a travel set the reason i'm asking is what happens if something happens at nose tackle you'll move some guys around but i mean they they could be throwing a walk on out there i mean they might go light or down they might with have mul- to, yeah. like
0: multiple defensive ends out there and turner regis stewart you mentioned hicks those are their like guys right there so it's going to be interesting, and then at linebacker, Kate. I had all these notes on Edger and Cooper, and then he opts out to go to the NFL. First in sacks, fourth in hurries, six hundred nine snaps. I still really like Tori and York, but outside of him and Chris Russell Jr., they don't have a linebacker on the roster who's played more than thirty three snaps.
1: Wow, wow, that's crazy. By the way, I was thinking Marcus Hicks, not DJ Hicks. Marcus Hicks, Oklahoma State recruited heavily, <laughs> but. To your point, Dustin, that they're thin. They're very thin up front.
0: The one spot where they're okay is the defensive backfield. They've still lost Tyreek Chappelle, who had 488 snaps and 10 snarts. Deuce Harmon, 394 snaps. Every game starter led the team in uh, pass breakups. Chappelle was second in pre- pass breakups, break up, so that's not great. Uh, Gilbert, who also had 75 snaps and two starts. But they do have Matthews, Richardson, Anderson, DeBerry. Even though DeBerry's been banged up, I'm not sure he's going to play, and Jared Kerr. But man, Cade behind those guys, and even at one of their cornerback spots, they're going to be playing some. They're going to be playing somebody in the defensive backfield with 136 snaps on the season or less.
1: Yeah, I, I, all of this to say, it's going to be tough for me to see. I mean, I, I'm not going to pick A&M. I, I can't do it with all that they're breaking in. And Oklahoma State, you know, I would be interested to see nationally how much of a roster is playing in these bowl games because it seems like Oklahoma State is going to have a disproportionately high amount of starters playing in this game compared to Texas A&M who, who you know, yes, they've got some guys in the secondary play and their linebacker, but up front defensively, offensively, Uh, they are just breaking in a lot and it's going to be tough for me to see a way that they impose their will, which I think they otherwise would have done if this was a, you know, a game in September.
0: Yeah, Kate. And as we go to pick it, I I mean, if you don't mind, I'll go first since I was talking anyway right now, but I'm going to pick Oklahoma state 31 Texas A&M 24. I've got the line right now at Texas A&M minus two, the over under at 53 and a half. I could see Oklahoma state winning by more and Cade, my thoughts here are kind of just what you laid out, not only with the players, but Elijah Robinson, they asked him, he, I mean, he told the truth. He's kind of splitting his time between Syracuse and Texas A&M. They don't have Bobby Petrino. I'm not sure what's going on with DJ Durkin. They've lost so many leaders and key contributors on both sides of the ball that if Texas A and M was able to get up for this game and come out there with a ton of energy, I would be shocked and extremely impressed because morale—not that it's low—but I think they're ready to get into the Mike Elko era and see what he's going to do as far as coordinators go. With you know, I—I I mean, they already have theirs in Colin Klein from K State. I think everybody's looking forward. Jalen Henderson even brought up Colin Klein and his presser this week. Like he's already looking at forward to Colin Klein. So I just don't, and Oklahoma State wants to win. You mentioned they have, all, they have all of their starters, unless they're losing them to injury. They didn't really lose any starters. You could say Jaden Bray to the portal. Everybody's there. They want to get 10 wins. They look fired up at practice in all the videos I've seen. If Oklahoma State loses this game, it would be pretty disappointed and honestly pretty shocking to me. Even though Texas A&M's talent recruiting-wise on their roster is probably outweighs Oklahoma State's if you just go off the rankings. I just don't know how they win this game with all of this adversity,
1: though. Yeah, I I feel like this is a program win if Oklahoma State's able to go get it. It's an example of, you know, when you recruit – and you have a really good culture, what happens? Now, again, I I think if this was a game in September, I'd have a tough time picking Oklahoma State because I think Texas A&M's roster, by and large, you could put them up against many others. Granted, they are just they were completely inept this season. So I'm going to pick, Dustin, I'm going to pick a little bit of a closer game. I'm going to go Oklahoma State 27, Texas A&M 21. It's only one point closer than what you picked, but I think that they're able to... I think Oklahoma State may struggle at times to move the ball down the field vertically. I think they're going to have to win this game up front because I do think athletically, Texas a and secondary matches up well one-to-one against Oklahoma State's receivers, but I think it's up front where Oklahoma State has won. Every game they've won this season, they've won with the offensive line. So if they're going to do that again, uh, it's, it's going to have to start there. So I'm going to take Oklahoma State 27-21, um, I do feel like it's a somewhat comfortable six point win though.
0: Yeah, and I agree. And you know, if if stribling were to play, I think that really boosts Oklahoma State's chances because you're right about the secondary versus Oklahoma State's receivers being one area to watch, but if they're able to get stribling back and AM has totally very agree. little film on him,
1: that would be big time. Yeah, I just I I feel like what you're looking at is a similar situation that you saw against Texas where athletically, you know, your 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 receivers versus their secondary is is one of the rare moments where you may be out-athleted. So
0: Yeah, it's a great point by you. Okay, that's all we got. I'll wrap it up with a word from our sponsor. Wild Oak Lighting is the sponsor we're going to hit on now. We really appreciate those guys for sponsoring the podcast. Wild Oak Lighting is your authorized jellyfish lighting dealer for the greater Oklahoma City area, Stillwater, and several other Oklahoma markets. Jellyfish Lighting is a permanent but discreet color-changing LED lighting system for the exterior of your home with 16 million different colors and patterns. Jellyfish Lighting can be used for Christmas, holiday, and accent lighting, and of course, Oklahoma State game day lighting. You can learn more about Jellyfish Lighting by checking out the website wildoak-lighting.com or you can follow them on Facebook or on Instagram at wild Oak underscore lighting. Cade. I know Christmas is almost here, but you can still get with wild Oak lighting for accent lighting for game day lighting into Oklahoma state basketball, baseball softball season, have your neighborhood lit up orange and just go ahead and contact them. If you'd forgot this year to get ready for next year, because these guys were so busy. They might, it, it, you know, it might've been too much chaos this year get into it get with them in the springtime and they will hook you up so you're ready to go for next christmas and you don't have to deal with the hassle of putting up and taking down or paying
1: someone to put up and take down your lights every single year check out wild oak lighting dustin i know you'll have them lit up for christmas i sure it's gorgeous i know the wild oak guys appreciate it and uh yeah we appreciate them sticking with us through a fantastic football season so, Dustin, thank you. Great episode, as always. Thank you for powering through a, a unique breakdown in a uh, very interesting Texas A&M team and for all you did with the portal and uh, signing day. It's a fantastic show. We'll get out of here, though. We want to wish you all a happy uh, holiday, a Merry Christmas. If you're not already, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Threads at like 45 pod You can follow Dustin at DustRagu, and you can follow me at cade Webb. We will see you guys back here after the game next week. And again, we hope you have a Merry Christmas and safe travels wherever you go. Go, folks.